Hello and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. Peace to you, my friend. My name is Mario Costabile and I am your host here and I am very excited for you tuning in. If this is your first time listening, welcome and hello. I'm so glad you found us. And by the way, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so and hit the share button. This really helps get the word out. A Ray of Hope is involved in so many aspects of film, music, television, events, and this podcast really gives us an opportunity, an outlet, to tackle more deeper topics and subjects about our faith. So I've been married to my beautiful wife, Sue, for over 37 years. Mamma mia, time flies when you're having fun. And it's been marital bliss. No, no, I mean it. I've said many times, if it wasn't for my wife, Sue, you wouldn't be hearing this podcast. Her spiritual example inspired me to do what I do today. So thank you, Sue, if you're listening. Hopefully she's listening. So when I dated Sue way back when, I mean, like many, many years ago, it was a different world. I mean, today, dating is like viewed very differently than when I grew up. So we're going to talk about dating today during this podcast. And we're also going to talk about dating your spouse after you're married. Interesting, right? It's going to be a fun episode. Our guest today is speaker Lisa Cotter. She's a wonderful young woman who can really inform us about our faith. So welcome to A Reason for Hope. And here we go. Here we are back for Reason for Hope. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing. <laughs> I, I just brought in my, uh, wasn't wasn't sure. It was the Bergen County Italian accent you brought Actually, in. Actually, it kind of was the Bronx. Yeah. How you doing? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of I'm slips very in comfortable with that. My Italian family's from the Bronx. Yeah. kind of comes in every once in a while. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's good? How was your summer this year? Uh, it was okay. Uh, I think a highlight was Shannon and I got to go away. Oh, for a little bit. Yeah, nice. so it was great. A few days. We uh, rented a, a little cottage and just the two of us Beautiful. You know, stole a few days and nights away. Mm-hmm. We love doing this. We, we do this every summer um, where we get a few days where we go away. We, we like going to a place where we're alone, completely alone. So mm-hmm. we try to find like a, a little cottage or something like that. And then we just buy a lot of food and I love to cook so so like I'll cook away and and we'll get a bunch of bottles of wine and we'll cook and we'll play music and we'll play games and just fall asleep at like four o'clock in the afternoon yeah. it's just awesome so. it's it's important to do that mm-hmm. Sue and I uh, we had a very busy summer with our families uh, just you know uh bouncing around to different locations. We went to California, Jersey Shore. But Sue and I spent some time in New York. A couple of days, we uh, went to a a place where we stayed over and had breakfast together and just hung out and talked. It's so important, right, to catch up and really kind of date your wife. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because of the topic for today. (laughs) Wow, that wasn't even planned. (laughs) uh, You know, it is an interesting topic. Our theme today is dating before and after marriage. Uh, most people get that you, you know, you got to date before you get married, although we really don't know how to do that these days, but right. we'll talk about that. Our guest today is Lisa Cotter, who kind of discusses this subject today in our show. Right. You know, it's funny that you you mentioned that this is dating before and after marriage because, like, people don't think that they need to keep dating after marriage. 
And I think what winds up happening is there's some pitfalls that married couples can fall into. Um, first is that when people get married, they tend to get comfortable, right? And then they get caught up in the busyness of life. So the chase is over. Now they're they're just focused on things like their their work or maybe buying a house, and they tend to get comfortable and and they don't really do the things they used to do when they dated, like maybe even going out on dates themselves, but things like randomly buying flowers or chocolates or, or um, you know, writing a note to, to one another or sending a, just a text saying, I'm thinking of you, I miss you. You know, those things that you might do more, more regularly during the courtship process, mm-hmm. people tend to kind of slack off once they're married. And they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't slack off that way. It's actually really important that they that they are deliberate about continuing to do those things. But I think it's a pitfall that many uh, married couples fall into. I also think what winds up happening is that uh, couples get into like a certain routine. So, um, so what winds up happening is they, they are going to work, they're working hard. They do the things that they're doing. They get home and they're tired. And then like to unwind, they might do something like, you know, go on their phone. So they get lost in their phones instead of getting lost in each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably not an uncommon story of how the life of many married couples is. And then once uh, once kids come into the picture, well, then things really change. It's It's very easy for the kids to become all-consuming and the sole focus of of life. And um, and I think this is probably more of a temptation for the women than it is for the men. But um, but I think it's, it's genuine all the way around. And it's not, I don't want to be misunderstood, it's not that the kids don't become the, a focus, but the kids are really m- more, maybe better said, a mission. And the husband and wife are together in the mission. And so if they're not together, if they're not tight, then they're not going to do for the kids what they need to do for the kids. They're not going to be for their children what they need to be for their children. I, I always try to remind myself that, that like the, our love is what the children flowed from. Mm. And on some level, therefore, like our love precedes them, mm-hmm. that they're the fruit of our union. And so we need to always be nurturing that union. We need mm-hmm. to always be nurturing that relationship. You know, there's the classic analogy of the flight attendant in a plane reminding the parent to put the oxygen on themselves before they try to put the oxygen on their kids. Right. Well, I think that that's true for couples too. So if 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 couples aren't like, you know, having what they need to be nourished, if they don't have the vitality, then they're not going to be for their kids what they need to be. So right. they, they really need to kind of focus on that and be deliberate about it. And I also happen to be of the mindset that kids need to know that their parents are deeply in love with each other. You know, that's a tremendous witness to the children. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that, um, that can only really be if, if the, the husband and wife are, are nurturing their own love, their own relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. 
right? So. Yeah. And, it, you know, that witness helps the kids understand what dating and courtship is supposed to be like. In, right. in a sense, if you're an example, you know, around the home uh, and you're kind of dating your spouse, people kind of, I think it speaks volumes. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you set time aside. It's hard, as you know. Yeah. It's hard to do. You got Busy. all yeah, you got all this other and it's funny, you know, I never looked at it like you had mentioned that um, you know, the family, the children is our collective mission together as a couple. It's so right on target, Dave. It's really uh, a great way of looking at it. But in order to execute that mission, we have to be united right. in many, many ways. Right. Uh, and one way to do that is by always being attentive to one another. And a way to do that is to spend time with one another right. as we did when we dated. Right? right. And I think that's true. Like one of the things, I mean, just a few practical things that we do. I mean, this is not necessarily going to be everybody's prescription, but uh -huh. – um, I, one of the things I do, and I get up earlier than everybody else because I'm out of the house early because I have a long commute. I always make the pot of coffee before I leave. Mm. And then I put it out with my wife's mug and I write a note on the napkin that's there. So, like, every morning I'm doing that. Yeah. You know, like, and and I always try to mix up the messages. Always positive messages. But, like, you know, yeah. like I try to mix up the messages. It's not like you, you burnt know? the food last night. <laughs> burnt dinner. No, you don't right. want to write that. No, no, I, no. So, like, <laughs> but um, but I, it's just so she can wake up and be reminded that I love her. Yeah. Right? And then, or I'll send her a text in the day just saying, like, missing you like mad, can't wait to see you later. Mm. You know, like, and it doesn't have to be very long. It just is a, a reminder, you know, Um uh, quite a number of years ago now, we made a commitment that every week we were going to go on a date. And it was, it probably started when we had kids old enough to like watch younger kids mm -hmm. so that we felt like we could, we could get out. Um, but, but it, it, we've tried to be very faithful to that. And the only time it's gotten interrupted really is if we have a little baby at home. Um, that is, which has happened quite frequently in our life, you yeah. know, like, which is... Like, like every year? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, uh, but so that being faithful of that's important. Yeah. And then what we try to do is we go out and we try not to make it like a business meeting where we're just going out so that we can talk about the kids or we're just going out so that we can, you know, talk about the thing that we need to get done. Mm -hmm. That we're trying to just, to just be together and enjoy one another and and have good conversation apart from all of that. Not that that's never going to come up because mm -hmm. it's almost unavoidable that it will yeah. at some point. Mm -hmm. So like every week a date, every summer a few days away, mm -hmm. um, that's become a priority for us too. And and then every day other than our date night, we, we sit down and have a glass of wine together and just talk. And it's usually after the kids go to bed. Um, so the kids will be sent upstairs, the, the little kids, that is, the bigger kids are doing their thing, and we'll sit and have a glass of wine and talk. Um, or if that happens, like, during the day, the kids know. It's funny. The kids know, okay, this is mommy and daddy time, hmm. you know? So unless it's really, really important, I'm not interrupting mom and dad while they're having a glass of wine and having a talk. Hmm. But that they see that is really, I think, important. Um, so those are just a few things that we yeah. do. Yeah. That I think are really helpful, but I would encourage all couples to to find out for themselves what are the things that work, and how do they keep that that flame alive, like that yeah. passion alive? How do they keep reminding each other? Um, one other little thing, and and I guess I'm uh, I'm moved to talk about this um, in the Gospel of John when the first apostles uh, meet Jesus. There's this little subtle reference to the time 
of day that it was. And there's probably a lot we could unpack there. But one of the things that I think is quite beautiful is that they marked the time that they met Jesus. Hmm. That it was important for them to remember this was the moment, right? Interesting. And so I think that that could be used in an analogous way for married couples. It's that you can never forget why you fell in love. Mm. You have to always go back and and you know say remember, uh, but even on some sense um, bring back into the future that experience so that every new experience is a new one. But it's it's a it's almost like a participation in the original moment that you locked eyes yeah. and you knew. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of the analogy is that you really you got to continually put gas in the gas tank in order for the for the sustainability for you as a couple, or else you lose sight of that. And I, I think I was guilty of that early on in my career, whereas I, I was so focused on just success. And I think uh, Sue, uh, you know, had to remind me, hey, you know, don't forget about us, you know. And I think mo- a lot of couples are experience that you forget yeah. that you get you get caught up in your groove, you get caught up in your work, and and you know just uh, providing for your family, you know, as a man, or uh, just providing uh, what do, what you do every day, you know, right. just getting out there, getting up, going to work, you know, taking care of the kids, all that kind of stuff. And I think um, all that stuff doesn't work if you're not united as a couple. Mm. And I think. Uh, that's probably the uh, origins of why couples sometimes separate. Uh, right. I think it's a common uh, experience that if you notice that once the kids leave the house, there's couples that you wonder, how did it happen? How did, why are they separated? They've been married 20 years, 25 years. And I think it's because they weren't putting gas in the gas tank. Yeah. So now they're on empty. They've been running on empty for so long that there's nothing left. You know, so um, And the thing that's incredible, I think, is that when that distance grows, and it grows slowly, right? that space if you're not nurturing, um, then the presence of the other becomes an irritant. Mm. Um, then it's it's harder to be in the person's presence because you feel the loneliness more profoundly in their presence than apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of couples get there, and that also is the result of not nurturing regularly. Right. You know, because— because that that happens very, very slowly, and then all of a sudden there's a distance that's hard to bridge. Mm. So I would just really encourage couples to to make sure they're very deliberate about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, for for the couples that are having some difficulty, maybe they forgot how to date one another. Mm. Um, uh, those of us that were married in the church have the power of the sacrament of matrimony, you know, and that's something that I always had to remind myself in difficult times or times where it was real struggle, um, you know, uh, pour your heart and your soul into that sacrament and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, pray for that grace and that that helps. Amen. Yeah. Well, great. uh, Hanging with you, Dave. Uh, This is fun being in a new place with a new season and we're looking forward to doing more of this, right? Yes. And cheers to our brides. Amen. 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 Hey guys, it's Mariama here for another round of Who's That Saint, where I give you three clues on one saint for you to guess before the big reveal. Who's that saint? Are you guys ready to learn who that saint is that I am describing? Let's dive in. Clue number one. 
Born in Italy in 1815, this saint was shown to have a great love for God at a young age. When he was nine years old, he had several dreams in which he was given a glimpse into his future mission in working with children. Who's that saint? I know with that clue, I didn't give you much information on the saint, but I think those saint experts out there will also be able to guess. So let me know. Clue number two. Feeling a pull towards the priesthood at a young age, this saint sought after education in the seminary. However, due to his lack of education in his childhood, due to his poor upbringing, this was hard for him. But he found a priest who mentored him and gave him all the education that was needed for him to finish his studies. He was ordained a priest in 1841. Who's that saint? Clue number three. Deeply impacted by the dreams of his youth and seeing the orphan children whom he worked with during his early years as a priest, this saint took to the streets to catechize children. He opened a school for boys that taught vocational skills, as well as a religious order dedicated to teaching children, known as the Salesian Order. Who's that saint? That's right. You may have guessed it. This is the life of St. John Bosco that I am describing. What strikes me most about this saint is his willingness to do whatever it took to win over souls for Christ. In fact, to captivate children's attention enough to teach them important lessons about the faith, he actually learned circus tricks such as juggling. He let nothing deter him from sharing the gospel with the least and littlest. Thank you guys for joining me for another round of Who's That Saint? I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. I look forward to seeing you guys on next episode. Until then, become a saint in all that you do and say. St. John Bosco, pray for us. Hey everybody, this is Jack. Welcome back to The Music Corner. I have a special treat for you. I have Brienne, our lead singer here on the phone. Brie, what's going on? Hey Jack, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to have you here. So, Brie, today we're giving our podcast audience a preview of the song, Heal Our World. Now, I know it's one of our favorites that we're currently working on. Um, mm -hmm. But when we finally release this track to the world, how do you think that the Holy Spirit is going to work through this song to transform people's hearts? Man, the Holy Spirit will be working. Everyone involved in the recording, the songwriting, we've been feeling the Holy Spirit. And there's this one part of the song in the verse. It says, you'll never leave when I'm lost and alone. And I think for us, just at any part of our lives, we're feeling that loneliness or some void in our lives. And that just declares the reminder right away. You know, he is there, he will fulfill and he will keep his promises. And then again, for me personally, in the bridge, there's a lyric that really hit home as we were recording. I remember I got almost emotional as I was singing it. Jesus, this is where I belong. Why have I waited so long? And, and that lyric, it's just so relatable for us when we're trying to live a life that we think we want to do or our desires and we're not, you know, necessarily listening to what God has called on our lives and just remembering that, you know, we, we should be trusting in Him and strings come in, there's a choir, it's so powerful and I'm so super just excited to see 
what God has in store and for everyone to hear it. Amen. Thank you, Bree, for your time and for your reflection on it. And of course, for your lending your beautiful voice to the song. And, um, no. you know, God is truly using you as his instrument for his kingdom. Oh, thank you, Jack. All glory to him. <laughs> Amen. So without further ado, here's a sneak peek of Heal Our World. Yours is love when I'm everybody we got some exciting news we have a whole new array of hope app and channel a video destination where everyone can find meaningful and inspiring videos and resources to help bring them closer to god this is available on your desktop roku apple tv iphones and android mobile phones and tablets this channel has movies short faith-filled segments live events and programs you've got to check it out Go to your app store and type in Array of Hope. Lisa Cotter is a leading Catholic speaker and author known for her practical insights on relationships, femininity, and living life with excellence. She's the author of Dating Detox and soon to be published Reveal the Gift. She has hosted the popular How To Catholic podcast and traveled widely as a presenter at SEEK, Steubenville Conferences, NCYC, and more. Lisa resides in Denver, Colorado, with her husband, Kevin, and their four children. Let's welcome Lisa. So Lisa, so great to have you with us today. Uh, thank you for saying yes, and thank you for sharing your time with our audience. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love doing stuff like this, especially for such a great apostolate like yours. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it's, uh, I, I'm going to show my age, Lisa, here. So there was a big yeah. popular sitcom in the 70s called Welcome Back, Cotter, spelled with a K, not a C. But uh, do, do you know that? Do you know that sitcom? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we used, there was like a remix of the intro song, the Welcome Back intro song. We used that at our wedding for our ah, entrance. Like, so, yeah. so I can't say welcome back and just say welcome, Lisa. How are you? That's right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's a great reference. It is. It's great. So um, I like to start our interviews all, always um, sort of going right to the very beginning. So uh, I don't know much about you regarding your childhood. So are you a cradle Catholic? Uh, what was your upbringing like? What was your family like life? You know, let us know a little bit about the background. Absolutely. Yes. So I am a cradle Catholic, born and raised in the Catholic Church from kindergarten through my grad school years. I have been in Catholic schools. That's all I know. Um, so, yeah, I grew up, you know, in a typical Catholic family. We did a lot of the standard traditional things, prayers before meals. We observed Lent. Um, we, um, prayed, you know, the stations of the cross and the rosary. Um, mm -hmm. but I really didn't make my faith my own until late in high school. I kind of had some rebellious years. I mean, I don't have this like crazy conversion story where I was, you know, dealing drugs and then saw a vision of Mary. Um, but you know, I just had years where, <laughs> you know, okay. it's just how it goes. It's yeah. all right. Um, so just years, you know, where kind of, I just thought like religion was kind of stupid and kind of maybe a waste of time in my mind. I don't know. Um, but it was really through retreats and through mission trips. Some of those more like what you call those mountaintop experiences 
that are offered for our high schoolers that I began to really believe that there was truth and beauty and goodness in the church that I hadn't seen before. And so when I went to college, I went to a Catholic university, got a degree in youth ministry and religious studies and just never turned back. Wow. Wow. Uh, was there a moment ever in your life, though, where um, there was, a, I guess, an epiphany where you actually, the Lord, you know, touched your heart and you experienced a sense of, I know it happened for me, like, you know, a sense of euphoria where like your intellect was developing and you were having an attraction toward the teachings of the church. You were falling in love with Jesus, right? But was there ever a moment where the Lord like said, I am real? Yeah. You know, there's one point. Um, it's interesting because it was actually at a Protestant conference, um, not conference, concert. There were these, um, uh, this band that came in town and they were playing at a local Protestant church. And I had met them earlier that day. It was kind of a weird setup how this all happened, but I ended up at their concert. And I remember that concert having a, a like a strong moment of just giving me a sense of peace and a sense of like, this is it, Lisa. Like I am here. I am in the midst of this. And this is where you belong is with me here in these moments. So there were also times where I can remember going to adoration, whether that be at a retreat or a conference and having really profound moments with the Lord where my heart just knew that this was the Lord, like this was Jesus in the Eucharist. And having those experiences, I think, really have solidified those graces, you know, of those moments of just without a doubt knowing like that is Jesus. Um, yeah. Those have been those moments I always come back to whenever yeah. I'm struggling. Yeah, that's, that, that's beautiful. I mean, it, it seemed like uh, your first sort of big experience was experiencing through music, which is what we do. We do a lot of music here and, and music is universal and uh, touches mm -hmm. the heart. So the Lord was touching you and planting those seeds then. That's beautiful. And of course, you know, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, uh, nothing gets more beautiful than that, right? Experiencing mm -hmm. that. You wrote this book with your husband, right? It was called Dating Detox. 40 Days yeah. of Perfecting Love in an Imperfect World. Uh, was that your first book that you wrote? Or maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, that is the first book I ever wrote. Um, it, was, it, it was a book that kind of came out of, so we spent 11 years in focus as a missionary family. And we were always doing these retreats and events and conferences with our um, students on campus. And I started to notice that a lot of times they would have these mountaintop experiences and they would say, okay, I'm going to change the way I'm doing things. I'm going to change the way I'm dating. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm going to get rid of this vice, whatever it is. And then like three weeks later, everything would kind of come crashing down and they knew what the truth was. They knew what they wanted, but they mm. didn't know how to live it. And so what I wanted to create was a book that really walked people through what I would say is from wanting it to living it. Like from wanting to live a chaste lifestyle, a lifestyle that's pointed towards the freedom to love and be loved, to having that ability to actually live it. And so it's a process book. So it's a 40-day step-by-step. You read one chapter a day for 40 days. And by the end, the goal is that you've developed this habit and you've kind of changed your mindset and the way that you think about dating and relationships to give you that freedom to re-enter into dating with new lenses, um, and with maybe some healing that's happened um, and just that ability to be able to develop that virtue and then be ready to develop other virtues. We call mm. chastity the gateway virtue. Like if you can figure that out, then all the other virtues kind of start to tumble along. And so um, that was a that was a big project that was really on my heart. Um, that's after awesome. Doing 
instances. So uh, I like what you said. Every day you build upon it. It, it. Essentially, you're building a virtue into this discipline. And so maybe, what, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like or what it might be like for young people today trying to date and, and, and finding a spouse or, you know, so maybe you could, are there any kind of takeaways that you can kind of share with the audience that are, you know, uh, someone that is looking to date or trying to find their spouse that you can offer them? Any insight? Yeah, I think first of all, it's to be patient with yourself in the process because it's really hard these days. I have so much just compassion for people who are single and trying to figure things out because it's not as simple as it used to be. It's not as black and white. They're, the rules are just like, they're so murky and muddy, at least the rules that the world gives us. Um, and so I think, I mean, this is going to be anything, but having a very deep prayer life is going to be the first step. Um, in just growing a prayer life, I should say, would be the very first step because that's going to help you discern better. There's just a lot that we kind of have to undo about what the world has told us that dating should mm -hmm. look like. Mm -hmm. And so having sound counsel, talking to great people who can speak into your life, who know you well, and who can help you discern through the process and also just being open to what the Lord is presenting to you. You know, if someone asks you out on a date, um, say yes, you know, go to coffee. It's not that big of a deal. I think right. sometimes we have this mindset and we think like, well, if I say yes, then we're going to, I have to marry him. It's like, oh my gosh, no, it's not like that. Like this is a process you're going to go through to see, of course, the end goal is seeing if this person is the person who you're called to marry, the person right. you're going to choose to but you don't have to choose that on the first date. And so to not feel so much pressure, I think there's a lot of pressure when it comes to dating. Um, just because it used to be, you know, there's just a handful of people that you could potentially date and marry. And now the whole world is before us and mm. more choices actually just stress us out. They don't, they don't make us feel more free. They just stress us out. Yeah. And so just bring that stress level down when it comes to dating. Right, right. It's good, good advice. I know you've spoken a lot on uh, being an authentic woman in today's culture. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and, and what that means. Yes. Well, so this is a big project of mine that I have been studying and tell us. reading tell about us. lately. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, really taking the words of John Paul II and the feminine genius has mm. been a huge focus for me the last two years. I'm working on my master's right now at the Augustine Institute. Wonderful. Um, so two of the classes that I've taken, one was an independent study and one was offered by the university or by the Institute. Um, we're on the feminine genius, which was perfect timing because it's something I've been speaking about since 2010 and have felt a desire to want to put into one place in a book and really mm. try to draw out. You know, we talk a lot about the feminine genius in the church, but I feel like sometimes we either talk about it from a very philosophical perspective where the average person who hasn't had a, um, course and this kind of philosophy uh, gets a little lost. And then there's this other side where we kind of just reduce the feminine genius just to like women's gifts. And we just kind of say like, you know, it's just like the greatness of being a woman, which is true, but there's so much more in between. Right. And so what I've tried to do with the book um, that's coming out in early 2022 is really take um, take the best of both worlds and 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 write a book in a way that's going to relate to every woman where she's at, but you'll be able to understand the more philosophical side of it, but also be able to take the practical side of it and weave that throughout the book as well. So I'm really excited about um, that that's coming forward. Yeah, that's exciting. I want to talk about your marriage and I'm sure every, if you're married 16 years, I'm sure you had great times, you've had bad times, difficult times, times that you suffered through, times that were euphoric and joyous, right? So 
I, I bring this topic up uh, because um, it seems that the, the Catholic marriage is suffering. And, and maybe you can offer some insight uh, to what a couple uh, that might be having difficulty within their marriage can, you know, can look for or find within themselves. I think what couples today uh, don't realize that, you know, uh, it is a sacramental marriage. You know, it, it, it is a sacrament and, and it's three people, right? The, the couple and then God. And and mm -hmm. I know that you're very in tune to that. So maybe you could just share and encourage some people that might be listening, because I know there are a lot of people that are suffering regarding their marriage. Yes, that that is so true. And it is such a painful thing. And I think sometimes what happens is we learn about the theology of the body and we see the beauty in that. And we think, okay, he's praying, I'm praying, and we have this beautiful gift of the sacrament of marriage, which means that this is going to be easy. <laughs> I know I certainly thought that going in. I kind of had a little bit of blinders on. I thought that, you know, well, if we just check the right boxes, you know, we, we pray, we go to mass, we do all these things, like, then we're never going to have conflict or difficulty. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of this idyllic vision of marriage and then you get in it and there's human aspects to it. You know, you, you kids come into the picture, you're exhausted, you're tired, right. um, you have different communication styles. You're trying to blend two ways that like, habits that you've formed in your lives. Um, and so I think one of the, the first steps that I think is so important for marriage is again, uh, Oh, well, the first, first step always is prayer. Okay. Every, any question you ask me, the first, First answer is always pray. pray. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the second one would be, I think communication, learning how to communicate is really important, especially in our day and age where we have youth that are growing up who have not honed this skill or practice it as much as previous generations because so much of what they do is over the digital platforms. And it's a huge gift to have these platforms. But, you know, it, it drives me crazy when I hear of girls going, you know, in their 20s telling me, late 20s, telling me he broke up with me over a text. Mm. You are like, oh, like in junior high, okay, I can right. kind of give the room some maturity. But when that's still your default, you know, it's it's we really have to we have to work harder to learn how to communicate. And I think that is one of the underlying issues for I think a lot of marriages is it's hard to know how to communicate when you haven't been given the skills to do that. And so I think I think that's that's one of the first steps. Second step that I think is so important for couples is to make time for each other. Mm -hmm. I know when you come on the scene, it's like you're just trying to like not drown. <laughs> and so you end up not making that space for each other. And then you feel a little isolated and you don't feel connected. And so just guarding with all that you can, at least once a week, having a date night and getting out at least once a year where it, you're overnight away from the kids for a mm. weekend twice. I think that's great. But, you know, I've talked to couples, you know, who have been married 20 years and, and they say, Oh, we've only done that twice in our whole marriage. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like we're married. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just need moments to step back to get out of the norm of the you know chaos of family life. It's, it's a beautiful chaos and it's a beautiful self a gift of self which we are all called to, and that is where we will find ourselves in giving of ourselves to others. Um, but we can't forget to give of ourselves to our spouse. I think it's so easy just to give of ourselves to our children. Yeah, good advice. So, Lisa, tell me a little bit about you. You have a daughter that's going to be a freshman or is a freshman. She's currently a freshman. Okay. So, uh, you know, uh, I've got five kids. My oldest is 35. My youngest is going to be a freshman in high school. 
And, uh, you know, she was the surprise child. Uh, the first four I had, you know, th there's a separation of, I think, nine years between my my second youngest and my youngest. So I feel like raising my youngest has been like something completely different than the first four kids, being that the culture is so different, the way teenagers interact with one another, uh, the influences on social media, what they see in, in movies and, and radio. So what has that been like for you to uh, trying to raise a Catholic family in a world that is so, uh, you know, contrary to that? Yes. You know, I think we um, we are in a very unique and blessed situation mm -hmm. with the stuff that we have for our daughter. Um, so she's a freshman, um, but she is at a classical Catholic high school that's very small. There's 20 kids in her class. Um, it's a new kind of startup school. It's a Chesterton Academy. Great. Um, yeah, and that's what awesome. we yeah, it really is. It's just <laughs> a massive blessing. She she came home from high school about two months in. We kept asking her. Uh, how was your day at school today? And she kept saying like, it was a great day. And finally one day she said, you know, like in, in all love, she said, you can stop asking. There are no bad days in high school. Wow. Like, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. That? Yeah. So she just, she is surrounded by a phenomenal community. Um, and she, I mean, I mean, really, I guess like that would be the point of this is how we have managed to navigate this is by surrounding ourselves in a like-minded community um, for these formation years. Um, now we want to send her out into the world to be able to, you know, have friendships and relationships and be able to work in settings with people who, you know, aren't always going to be on the exact same page as her. But during this time, as she's growing, as she's learning, as she's learning how to discern what is truth, what is goodness, what is beauty, we are so blessed to have her in this community that's surrounded. So she's actually not on social media. Um, wow. A couple go yeah she came back to me she has a smartphone because you know for some safety reasons when she's you know not at home we want to be able to communicate with her and catch up with her she's going to be 15 this summer and so she's going to start driving and practicing all that um but she asked me if she could get a flip phone she said i really don't need this do you think we could downgrade my phone i'm like what wow. <laughs> so well, yeah. but that's she's in a lot of her friends don't even have a phone they all they all communicate via google chat still which yeah. i just think well that's that's uh you're very blessed uh and very unique and I, I think what i hear is that you as a as a as a couple you and kevin have offered discipline to really surrounding yourself with like-minded uh, mm -hmm. families, uh, friends. I think that's the key. We have to, we have to be strong. And I think I see that with myself and my wife that, you know, uh, as you get older, that's that strength, that strength of discipline weakens, you know, uh, for us being our fifth kid, but you have to, you know, you, you have to love them so hard that you have to say no. And I think that's the problem with parents today. Mm -hmm. They're just yesing their kids and, and want to make them happy at all times. And yet they see the harm that they're all giving them by letting them see those shows by letting them be with children or, or people that maybe not be right for them, you know, that might be a bad influence. So I, I you know, I congratulate you and Kevin by by doing that. And I know uh, there's a, a small classical Catholic school uh, near us. It's about 50 miles away from us. And I know a lot of families are flocking to it and moving to this town. It's in Booton, New Jersey. And um, uh Anyone that hears this, I mean, uh, that's so important and and it's so good that you guys are doing that as a couple. That's great. Yeah. And you know, see a lot of these Chesterton Academies popping up and honestly, it's just us parents. It's parent led. It's a small school and we yeah. 
is only in its second year. And so if you're like, oh, we don't have one of those around me, that's so unfair. Just start it. I know it sounds crazy to start it, but just take that next step. That's how you build a school or a yeah. culture. Yeah. It's one step at a time. So can you call Chester Train Academy and look it up or whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you want to take it to found something that, you know, you can bring this community together. Well, that's awesome, Lisa. You're you're filled with joy. You're uh, contagious. And it was really nice speaking with you and, and sharing this time with you. Is there anything I could do for you? Is there anything that you want to share uh, with our audience that you, I mean, you're, you're talking about your book. Is there anything that, uh, that you, uh, that we haven't talked about other books, other things that you're doing? You're so great. Um, yeah, you know, I think just, I've just been, I went into tunnel vision on the book this year with COVID since I wasn't traveling and I wasn't able to speak. Um, I just, I've been in feminine genius book mode. And so just prayers for that would be great because it's a sensitive topic. I want to make sure that the way I'm approaching it doesn't make any woman feel as if she's not enough as a woman. I don't want it to ever come across as, well, there's one boxed way to be a Catholic woman. And if you don't fit into this box, you're not welcomed here in the Catholic church because that's just not true. And so I would just love prayers for wisdom to know how to speak those truths in a way that our truth, but also are not ostracizing. Amen. Yeah. Well, you know, give us a ring. Let me know when it's uh, out and you can come back on and promote it. And we'll let our listeners and viewers know all about it. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Lisa, for joining us. And it's been great sharing with you. And and, and for sure, let's pray for one another and the church. We Always. Amen. So we've come to the end of this podcast. It's been fun, as well as encouraging to build our faith. I want to remind you to please share this with others. The more people that know about our work, the more we can bring to Christ to save souls. I want to thank our donors and supporters, and we encourage you to become part of the Array of Hope family by just going to our donation page on our website. Also, stay in touch with us throughout the week on social media where we can keep you engaged through our music, our videos, and our daily reflections. There's lots of fun stuff to share with all of you. Stay tuned to our live broadcast on Facebook and Instagram. And also, I want to let you guys know, if you don't know this already, we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet daily live on Instagram at 3 p.m. So please join us and pray with the Universal Church. Our guest next time will be Stephen Ray. This guy is a firecracker. You're going to love him. So thanks for joining us today. And there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace. Peace.